，享受工作，乐生活。就算不在办公室，也能从容应对线上会议。HP Dragonfly 透过专业的 HP Presence 设计，内建降噪及会议快速键，搭配清晰的 Ben and Olufsen 音效，增强音讯及视讯功能。HP Dragonfly 顶级商务笔电，采用 Windows 11专业版。让您在会议中享有最佳的视觉和听觉品质。The abu is a tropical fruit tree that's originated in South America's Amazon forest. Now, over 2,000 of these trees are grown in an orchard in Nantou's Guoxing Township, where tourists can go fruit picking. This is a result of the Council of Agriculture's clampdown on betel nut plantations. The owners of the orchard many years ago responded to the council's call to transform their old betel nut farm of several acres. The owners do not use pesticides, and the abus are cultivated organically. They have recently become ripe for picking. When ripe, abu fruit skin is glossy and has a bright golden color, while the pulp is white and jelly-like. In addition to collagen in the pulp, it contains various vitamins and minerals. The season for abu fruit picking starts in August and ends in May the following year. This year marks the 150th anniversary of the arrival of Dr. George Leslie Mackay in Taiwan, where he was the first Presbyterian missionary. During his time in the country, Mackay didn't only spread the gospel; he also offered free medical services like dentistry to locals. To celebrate his life, the National Chinese Orchestra Taiwan held concerts in honor on September 17th and the 18th. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang spoke to the organizers to find out more about the production. To celebrate the life of Mackay, the National Chinese Orchestra Taiwan produced a musical titled "Mackay the Trekker," a love letter to Formosa. The story is narrated by three actors who play Mackay's widow, daughter, and first disciple. The performance combined traditional Beiguan music, which was popular in the 17th and mid 20th centuries, Taiwanese opera, and modern-day music, allowing the audience to better understand the story of Mackay through different generations of music. The story was also inspired by Mackay's diary to bring to light the joys and hardship Mackay faced during his mission. The war had already started, and Mackay ran back to save a foreign soldier. It was a very touching story. Whether it was a Taiwanese or a foreigner, when he saw someone injured, he wanted to save them. During that scene, I almost burst into tears. 我个人对他的感受是，我觉得那个巨大的胸怀。My personal feeling for him is that his concern for people was as wide as Mount Guanyin. When I saw the mountain scene, it reminded me of Mackay's heart and mind. He is currently in a cemetery in Danshui, resting peacefully on our land. I am very moved by that because he is not Taiwanese, but he did so much for this land. Our modern life has become very easy. We can go anywhere, for example, by plane, and reach anywhere on Earth in 24 hours or less. But during that era, people had to travel by boat to get here. I wonder how long it took to travel from Canada to Taiwan by boat. If it took a year and a half to arrive, there would definitely be times when the sea was rocky. 
I'm very moved that he was motivated by his beliefs to come here. Those beliefs will be passed down from generation to generation. Mackay was the first Presbyterian missionary in northern Taiwan. During his time there, he learned Taiwanese for his missionary work and also contributed to the development of medical education in Taiwan. He traveled throughout the country, offering free dentistry services and spreading the gospel. We tell this story from every angle. Later in his life, before he turned 57, he contracted malaria that lasted for two years. He said that he had trouble acclimatizing. That's what he wrote in his diary. Nevertheless, he settled here and stayed. He never criticized the environment he found himself in, but instead said that if he had trouble adapting, it must have been a trial placed upon him by God. Throughout his mission in Taiwan, Mackay established churches, hospitals, and educational institutions. He died in Taiwan in 1901, but his legacy is still honored and remembered today, 150 years later. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Yan Wenqian in Taipei. Taipei on Tuesday announced the top 15 night market food stalls in the city. In the bid to boost spending at smaller food vendors, the city government last month asked the public to vote for their favorite night market stall. Patrons chose from 75 vendors selling a wide variety of foods. Among the winners were stalls selling classic favorites such as mochi ice cream and oyster omelets. Let's hear what two of the winning vendors have to say. Our mochi has discernible layers and is sweet, but not cloying. This is our signature style. In our 25 years in business, this is our first time participating in this contest. We thank our customers for their unwavering support. Our oyster omelette is different from that made by others. It's bigger than your face, and it's got a crispiness to it. It's not soft on the outside. With the pandemic winding down, business at night markets is returning. Food vendors now look forward to the return of international tourists so they can share Taiwan's delicious snacks with the world. The Forestry Bureau is expanding a successful scheme which pays citizens to protect endangered animals. Under the scheme, citizens who protect the habitats of species like the leopard cat can receive up to 160,000 NT payment a year. Now the Formosan black bear is going to be added to the scheme. Council of Agricultural Minister Chen Ji-zong is hoping to expand the budget. The Council of Agriculture Minister and the head of the Forestry Bureau joined together to promote the ecological payment program for endangered species and important habitats. In less than two years, more than 1,700 citizens have taken part across 10 counties and cities and in 63 townships. This has been so much hard work, but it's so important because it's contributing to the sustainability of the Earth and the long-term development of the whole planet. In the future, we will ask the Forestry Bureau and its director, Mr. Lin, to expand the scope here even more. Nanto residents installed these automatic cameras in rural buildings and managed to catch almost half the local leopard cats on camera. In its efforts to protect the habitats of endangered species, the Forestry Bureau is prioritizing four species the leopard cat, eastern grass owl, otter and pheasant-tailed jacana. 
ecological payment programs pay citizens to assist habitat protection efforts. The Formosan black bear will be added to the program in October. Citizens can earn up to 160,000 NT a year through the program. Starting next year, we will carry out trials in all the locations where black bears are found. We will offer an ecological payment set in comparison to the four other endangered species. Anyone willing to apply for this can make a proposal to the Forestry Bureau. The total budget for ecological payments is almost 200 million NT. Chen Zizhong plans to apply to the Executive Yuan for even more funds, allowing more citizens to dedicate themselves to the protection of Taiwan's natural world. Train services between Hualien and Taidong continue to be suspended after Sunday's 6.8 earthquake. The Taiwan Railways Administration has arranged replacement bus services in the areas affected. Officials say train services won't return to normal for at least another month. Currently, the bus replacements run once every hour between 6 a.m. and 8 p.m., and travel times are much longer than trains. Amid complaints from passengers, the TRA says it will increase service frequencies with backup vehicles where needed. More than 160 earthquakes with magnitudes of at least three have rocked Taiwan since Saturday, as the foreshocks and aftershocks of a 6.8 quake on Sunday afternoon. Seismologists say the shaking is beginning to subside and that temblors should become less and less frequent and intense over the next few days. Experts say the location for the next big earthquake could be the Jai Tainan Plain, where pressure has been building without a release for some time already. One day before the main quake on Sunday, Taiwan was rocked by a 6.4 tremor. Initially, the Central Weather Bureau had thought that was the main shock. But as the shaking continued and the strength didn't weaken, seismologists realized something was up. It wasn't until the main 6.8 quake struck on Sunday that the frequency and intensity of the tremors started going down, except for a 5.9 aftershock on Monday. The Central Weather Bureau says the end of the shaking is coming soon. This stretch of frequent earthquakes is coming to an end. The aftershocks will come at longer and longer intervals, but there will still be aftershocks for at least a month, perhaps one every few days. According to the Weather Bureau, 162 earthquakes of magnitudes between 3 and 6 were detected from September 17th to 9 a.m. on September 20th. That's excluding the main tremor. When the foreshock struck, I said that we wouldn't rule out quakes of magnitude 5 in the following two or three days. If we count from the main earthquake, today is the second day. Tomorrow and the day after could still see aftershocks of magnitude 5, but the chances of that happening are quite low. The scholar says the next place in Taiwan that may experience a strong earthquake is the Jai Tainan Plain. The Weather Bureau says it is indeed monitoring the area closely. There is a high density of active faults in that area, and it has been a long time since there was any movement there, so the accumulated pressure could be quite high. There are three or four fault lines that we are watching particularly closely. In our seismic observation work, the Jiayi Tainan Plain is our highest priority. The Central Weather Bureau advises the public to remain alert for earthquakes and have the necessary preparations in place in case a big one strikes. 
Rural schools in Taiwan typically have fewer resources, and that means fewer learning opportunities. Now the education ministry hopes to change that by bringing tablets and fast internet to these schools. The government hopes that through technology, students will have access to more information and will be motivated to learn more on their own. Today we visit one rural school to see this program in action. Students at Shigang Elementary School in Nanto's Puli Township prepare for a math class with teacher Li Yuling. During the class, the teacher uses a digital learning platform, encouraging students to develop self-study skills. With digital technology becoming a growing part of rural school life, educators hope to narrow the rural divide. I love using the Loyola Note and Xueshiba apps in class. With the tablet and the Chromebook, I can look up lots of information. It's really fast and convenient. The education ministry is pushing digital study tools and aims for every class to have internet access and tablets for students to use. In rural areas, there will be one tablet for each student, and internet access will be fully upgraded. Our school is a rural school, so if every student gets a tablet, upgrading our internet connection to 500 megabytes allows our six-class school to have a smooth experience in using these learning platforms. In this information age, it's impossible to teach everything. However, if we teach in this way, imparting self-learning skills on the students, hopefully in the future they will be able to apply that to all their studies and to every moment. In this way, learning will be something fun and enduring for them. The Education Ministry has budgeted 14 billion NT to purchase mobile devices and network infrastructure for schools over the next four years. They hope the investment will pay off in the form of students that are motivated and capable as self-learners. Many candidates are playing the youth card ahead of key municipal elections in November, which has not gone unnoticed by university students. Student unions on Friday called on the 18 mayoral candidates for Taipei, Taoyuan and New Taipei to take part in a student-organized forum. The students say the forum can be a place for candidates to share their youth platforms and address problems that young people face. The unions say other activities will be organized ahead of Election Day, including the release of a white paper on young people's issues. Holding placards and shouting slogans, the National Students' Union of Taiwan and various individual student associations jointly announced a series of events they have planned before the upcoming local elections. I hereby invite you to take part in the youth forums and sign a letter of intent to work with youth to plan and shape Taiwan's future. The students on Friday issued an invitation to 18 mayoral candidates from the three major municipalities of Taipei, New Taipei and Taoyuan to attend a youth forum to speak on their youth policies. They are asked to RSVP by September 30th. A representative from National Taiwan University said that candidates should not just make empty promises, but also pay real attention to the difficulties facing young people who have moved to the island's north. 
There are many young people who are facing difficulties with labor and housing, but have not given up on their studies. They have also not given up on participating in public affairs. Whether housing justice for young people can be achieved depends on policies offering special housing and rental subsidies for young people. How can young people who lack resources survive independently? Can labor conditions be improved? The student representatives called on the candidates to put out policies to capture the youth vote. The NSUT says it will soon release a policy white paper to fully express the views of young people. It includes some food for thought regarding first-time voters, encouraging young people to go and reflect on how we can change the future of our hometowns as well as the cities where we grew up. It makes us think about how we can make them all even better. The NSUT is calling on mayoral candidates to take the initiative to incorporate the views of young people in their policies for the younger generation. It says it hopes candidates and voters can have in-depth dialogue and discussion on issues that young people care about, so that policies for younger people don't just become empty political slogans. President Tsai Ing-wen on Monday addressed the 2022 Concordia Annual Summit in New York, just as leaders from around the world gathered in the city for the United Nations General Assembly. In a pre-recorded message, Tsai stressed that Taiwan would not give in to Chinese pressure, urging countries around the world to stand up against authoritarianism. She also advocated for Taiwan's inclusion in the United Nations, saying that Taiwan's participation could help the world better face any future challenges. At this moment, democracies and a rules-based world order are facing the greatest challenges since the Cold War. President Tsai Ing-wen gave a pre-recorded address at the annual summit of Concordia, a New York-based non-profit organization. In the video, Tsai told representatives from around the world that Taiwan would not give in to China's authoritarian pressure. Taiwan has been confronted by increasingly aggressive threats from China, from military intimidation, and gray zone activities to influence operation. We did not shy away from the challenges of authoritarian interference. Instead, we met it head on. It is only when we work together and support one another that we can succeed in fending off the expansionist goal of authoritarian regime. The United Nations General Assembly opened this week, with Russia's invasion of Ukraine as the main topic of discussion. Tsai's speech at the Concordia Forum marked the first time that she gave a public address at a major event in New York while the UN General Assembly was in session. She took the opportunity to advocate for Taiwan's inclusion in the UN to political, business and academic leaders from all around the world. Taiwan donated facial masks and medical equipment and shared information on the COVID-19 virus. Even though Taiwan is not a member of the United Nations, we have been consistently helping the world on resolving many crises. With the inclusion of Taiwan in the UN system, I am confident that we can work even more closely to face future challenges. Tsai underscored how Taiwan had offered help to its international friends while urging the world to see what Taiwan can contribute.